state lines with you as always is your jacob wayne and today mm-hmm. we have the persuasive and potent kellen gibbons as usual yeah but if you hear a little bit of clickety clack in the background we also have our robust and vigorous friend shocky kind of just doing his thing and you know if, if he has any feedback or just whatever he'll jump in if not Whatever, he's just going to do his thing. There you go. So, with that, what are you drinking? Three, two, one. Already what you got, Kellen? I'm, uh, I'm doing a repeat. I had it uh, a while back, the Himalayan Snowman. It's super premium. Ooh. Just a delicious, big old, I don't know, it's kind of... Belgity tasting to me, but big old lager. All righty, tasty one. Hit me with the write up and the percentage. It doesn't have much of a, a write up because I don't. I think it's a, it's it's okay. Brewed by the same, uh, oh Yuxum Brewery in India. Salt of the earth. Yep. But it is. They don't. They don't have to spruce it up that much. No, it just it just drinks, and it's seven percent, so it drinks good. It's very very smooth. Oh, mine is also seven per seven percent. It is a Mexican style chocolate stout from Ooh. Copper Kettle Brewing Company in Denver. Nice. Their origin story is ancient Maya and Aztec civilizations crafted a spicy chocolate drink and believed it was the food of the gods. Inspired by their recipe, we brewed this stout using cacao nibs, cassia cinnamon, and a unique blend of dried chili peppers. May the gods be pleased. That sounds tasty. Yeah. Cacao nibs was always my favorite porn star. Yep. Thought it was always a good one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, that one, uh, Stone makes one of those as well. It's pretty tasty. Pretty tasty. It does have that chocolate, chocolatey flavor, but with like a little bit of. Uh, I can never remember the name of it. The cinnamon drink. Uh, uh, the whiskey. Nope. You get it at like Mexican restaurants. Cinnamon horchata. Horchata. Yeah. yeah. Has a little yeah. bit of that in there. Nice. Also next to me, just in case, and I thought I'd mention it, is a. Pabst Blue Ribbon Hard Tea Seltzer. 
Wow. These seltzers are getting a little wild. I know, but when Pabst got in the game, they had like a hard coffee, and I was just like, oh god. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want anybody getting all, uh, you know, thinking that we're beer snobs or anything up in here. We do like tasty beer, probably you and Shaki even more than me. But, you know, if like a kind of a standard beer really accomplishes their goals, then we'll shout them out too. One of our favorite kind of just straightforward beers in this household is Montucky. Oh, yeah. It's it's the cold snack, Montana, shout out. But uh, I've been going through all these seltzers, just kind of trying to find my like weekday drink or two. And so I've been kind of testing out all these seltzers. And honestly, the 6% uh, Natty Light seltzers, pretty damn good. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't taste wow. much of a difference between, you know, uh, White Claw or whatever. There's the image of the can you're holding, you know, but yeah, in general, it's like, yeah, give me the Natty Light Seltzer. It's more affordable, gets you more fucked up, tastes about the same. Well, there you go. I've, yeah. I've always liked PBR, the beer, and I've I think I've had the one of the seltzers, and it was pretty good. Or maybe it was like a hard tea. It was tasty. Not bad. Well, yeah, this combo of the hard tea seltzer is something I'm definitely enjoyed. The, enjoyed it. The combination of all that. Yeah. You know, a little a little sweetness. You, know, you can like mix that seltzer with something, and then you're cutting down on all the the bad stuff, and still sure. still got some tastiness. Indeed. I want the tea flavor to overwhelm the sweet flavor so I don't concentrate on the alcohol flavor so much. Yeah. Maybe that makes sense. But with that, do you have anything coming out? Let's see. Uh, Nothing. Any any shows? Anything to plug? Um, I mean, Summerfest is coming up. Up though, if you're in the... uh, in the Utah area, if you want to see the coolest Logan, Utah gets, you can head on down Main... No, it's actually not on Main Street. It's not at the Tabernacle Grounds, which is a bummer. It's at the Fairgrounds really? this year. Yeah, they're doing maintenance, but it's uh, that's on the 17th through the 19th in Logan, Utah. So I will be in Salt Lake City. I'm going to be in town the beginning of that week, but... Yeah, near the yeah. end, I gotta go see some folks down in SLC, so I'll be missing that. But it, those are fun. I had my artwork shown at a summer fest back in, I believe it was 2011. Yeah, I remember so perusing your ten work. years ago. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's always better at the Tabernacle, and I mean this year I don't think like the music is quite up to the caliber it usually is, which makes sense. I think a lot of bands start back at it yet but Mm -hmm. yeah but it's still it still should be a fun time they're doing uh they got that new event center down at the fairgrounds they put in this giant new building that's just a giant open area and so Mm -hmm. one stage is going to be in there which is good or bad you know it's been really hot lately like we're up in like the 90s already 95 98 today so it's like uh, hopefully hopefully they got that place cooled down because that big old you know it's like a big old ag room you know they use it for a bunch of stuff during the fair mostly so 
I don't know how yeah. well cooled it is. Could be interesting. Yeah. Well, I definitely remember it being a good time. And, uh... Yeah, I was going to give a quick shout-out. That's why I was looking this up real quick. Uh, shout-out to Bill Hedgecock. He's like... Forgive me if I'm getting it wrong to his family, but... He does, like, metalwork sculpture, I believe. is basically his fortier. Maybe yeah. he does other things. But uh, he's a father of a girl I went to high school with. And he's just a great artist. And the first year I did that... Uh, um, yeah, Summerfest. He just really helped me out and showed me the ropes as a young artist. And shout out to Bill Hedgecock. If you haven't seen his work, you should find it. I'm not sure how he has it set up online, but yeah, just a great artist. So. It's really cool. You're like, whoa, I never thought a hammer could be a parrot. Sweet. No, yeah. So it's amazing stuff. So I think shout we out have to one. him. I think we have one of his pieces. Somewhere really? in the yard, yeah. There you go. Yeah, they're cool. Um, on my end, I just launched my solo work on all streaming services. It is called Lobe Daddy. Lobe Daddy. Lobe Daddy. Yeah. And all it is is everywhere any of my weird little musical ideas go, with the knowledge I have now. I used to call it turtleneck back in the day. And it was with real basic understanding of Fruity Loops and things like of that nature. And then I've also recorded random little songs that don't really fit with the Fakoshka thing or the Gamapa thing. And they're they're okay, but they're just not recorded well. Or, you know, they might have been a spontaneous idea, so what Love Daddy is going to be is all my stuff that doesn't fit Kamapa or Fakoshka or Cloud Faculty. Yeah. And basically it's just anything there. I'm working on a song right now for my buddy Ethy, Ethan. And uh, it's called Can't Catch the Rat. And nice. I'm going to have my buddy Shocky playing guitar on that. But that's, that's kind of the idea. It's kind of like, it's a little bit of that gorillas thing. I know that that's kind of an element to Cloud Faculty as well, but I think it's a little more just like any of my musician buddies that can help me accomplish this weird little song idea, then that's what Love Daddy's going to be. So we, well, I, I guess, released the first single, and that is Lazy, Lazy Lion, and that's on all your streaming services and go listen to it. I slapped it together just to secure the Love Daddy name, and if you like it, cool. If not so much, there's definitely a lot of weirder, different things coming along the way, so. Take a nibble on the lobe. Yeah. What what was that name earlier? Let's write on this can. Uh, I guess it's not a name as much as an ingredient, but, but Cacao Nibs, that's a good song name. Oh yeah. yeah, indeed. But with that, is there any new music coming out for you? Um, man, I have been so busy this last week. I haven't even checked if there has been something coming out. <laughs> All right. So, I've I've still just been. I did a. I, I think I shouted out that Lake Street Dive album last time. 
mm-hmm. and uh, I, I still need to listen to the whole thing through a few more times, but uh, my first impression of listening to it a little more than just that one song was that uh, I think that single was a really strong single. Like, the other mm-hmm. the other songs I, I listened to so far, just like, yeah, this isn't nearly as powerful as that one was. There was one other one that I was really digging, but, you know, you're kind of hoping... Whenever you hear the single, you're hoping the whole album is gonna kind keep up, or that. at least keep that vibe, you know. And it didn't do that, which is fine. Maybe I'll grow into it more. But as of now, I'm just like, man, that single's just so damn good. <laughs> well, I think we've talked about that before. With like, I'm a gigantic fan of '80s music, and there's clearly some masterpieces from that era. But there's so many amazing singles. Because that really was kind of just like the perfection of that era of like the cassette single or maybe even CDs kind of near the end. But what always struck me is when I started to listen to some of these other bands, I'm like, okay, so they're single. This is incredible. The whole album's going to be amazing. And then it's just like, oh, like it almost doesn't even sound like the same band. Like the production level's like completely different. Yeah, and it's just it's so weird. It's disappointing, but I'm I'm not giving up. I'm still doing my deep dives into the '80s, like really trying to understand some of the albums. Oh yeah, there's because some, there's some gems. I, I think Cocaine is a culprit for part of that. I think oh, yeah. they, they had like an amazing song. It's like this is like the best idea ever, and then they keep having the best ideas ever, but never quite reaching the same heights as the initial great idea. Yeah. But you keep wasting money on it, and then you're broke, and you're a one-hit wonder. <laughs> and it's not even the good hit. Yeah. They blinded me with science! <laughs> anyway. Uh. But let me shout out some new releases real quick then. Uh, I got my Japanese breakfast Jubilee vinyl today. Ooh. That came out on Friday, and that's like an indie rock band fronted by Michelle Zahner. So it's kind of like her solo singer-songwriter react, from what I understand, but she's been in other indie bands. I'm still learning a lot about her, but I'll read a quote from her about the album real quick. In some ways, through purging everything I needed to for Crying in H Mart, which is a book she wrote, I was able to begin this new chapter. I had written two albums about grief. I still felt like there was so much left to say about that experience. I finally feel like I've said everything I need to say about loss and grief and my mom in this way. I felt ready to tackle new scenes. So with the album, like she was saying, her first couple albums are really melancholy and kind of sad and nostalgic. And with this one, it is a lot more like uplifting it has a lot of 80s elements like I was talking about as far as the synth and like tone goes. And yet she also has like that indie singer-songwriter from the 2000s kind of vibe too. So the way that all blends, it's just really enjoyable. So nice. Shout out to that album. I love it. Listen to it today. Um, also... A follow-up to an artist we talked about before, Butcher Brown. They just released 
all their b-sides from that recording session oh um it's just called encore so last time i was talking about them and didn't have a lot of info so i'll just read a brief overview because i couldn't find any other thoughts on this new release so butcher brown is from richmond virginia their uh, quintet and this is following up their npr tiny desk concert which i guess received over two hundred and forty three thousand views on youtube which is pretty solid uh butcher brown is five groove merchants delivering a heady homebrew of jams and jazz rhymes and beats of funky musical mix that makes one question why great music needs to be labeled as this category or that the hybrid moniker jazz hip-hop only begins to cover it their balance of raw energy and smooth sophistication edgy improvisation with a generous dose of southern roots reveals how equal opportunity they are in employing a wide range of musical styles and how authentically they've absorbed it all that's a pretty solid write-up what's funny we're gonna we're gonna notice these in the future sometimes is that you know those music write-ups that get so ridiculous Coming straight from the ethereal ground of Ute of the Utah desert, their <laughs> spiritual sound wraps around the globe as if to shriek out for change. Oh and yeah! You're just like shut up. Are you, is it's that ba- a, it's a blues band? <laughs> I actually know the band. Like a band came to mind when you were saying that. <laughs> like that's hilarious. I know exactly what band I would think wrote that. <laughs> but you can picture their album or their band photo. Two of them are looking off. One has like a fucking farmer hat on for some reason. Man, I feel like you're talking about this band. (laughs) They just put an album out too. (laughs) I won't go any farther in case one of them happens to listen. Well, and to be fair, there's bands that have that look that match it and bands that have that look and don't. That's all I will say. Yeah. Moving on, Devin Townsend released a single. It's a virtual live performance of Stormbending from his album from 2016, which is called what? I don't remember that one. Oh man, he's been doing, he's been so busy in the last couple of years. It's hard I've to remember lost, all this yeah, stuff. It's like Empath or it might be the other one. Empath. I, I think it's Empath. Yeah, that's a lot. Could I'm be wrong, guessing. but I think that's what it is. Anyway, it looks like he's going to be releasing a virtually live 2020 album. And this is the single from that. Nice. So if you don't know Tevin, Devin Townsend, get yourself learnt. There's a lot there. Get started. A lot to digest. My favorite Devin Townsend album is probably Key or his collaboration with Che, which was Casualties, uh, of, Casualties cool. of Cool. What about yeah. you? Give me your top two from him. That's not fair, man. Just do it. Go quick. Like, come to mind. You can correct it next time. Well, it's the there's it's too it's, he covers too many genres. But actually, <laughs> if I did have to pick, I would probably throw in Casualties of Cool because I just can't imagine anyone like not liking that album. I feel like that's should just it be is, a universally loved album. <laughs> yeah, it's my introduction to him. Like, if somebody. I was like, what's this all about? Like, I'm like, no, just listen to this. 
and understand that he has this capacity to be this restrained and yet just authentically textural and smooth. So then when you get into something like uh, deconstruction, yeah, you you understand. No, he's not just like unfiltered craziness. Like sometimes I think that's the vibe with Frank Zappa. He has such a gigantic discography and he is such a wild son of a bitch that you miss a lot of his more thoughtful pieces. Not to say Uh that the other ones didn't take thought, but just, oh, that's a very nice, mellow, pretty tune. (laughs) There's no horns and some guy screaming about Thingfish. Yeah. It's true. So if I were to go from the, you know, introducing a person that wasn't that into metal, I would say Casualties of Cool. And Key is mm-hmm. definitely in the high on my list. But uh, I think if I was going to try to introduce like a metalhead coming from the opposite direction, I think I'd mm. show him Strapping Young Lad, the new black first. Oh, yeah. That's a, just that, like, this is how some metal is done. <laughs> I remember not getting it when I was younger, and I was a pretty big metalhead. But to be fair, coming from more of the new metal area. Mm-hmm. And then slowly branching out from there. So I was barely starting to understand things like Cannibal Corpse and Soul, I guess more Sepultura, not Soulfly. But yeah. uh, things like that. And I remember Strapping Young Lad being shown. And it did have that sat- satirical bent to it, but I didn't quite notice it. And then I just saw that he had his skullet. Like, just bald on top and the long hair. Yeah. And I was like, who is this fucking guy? Like, and why like... am I supposed to think he's so awesome? Like, I just, <laughs> I was immediately resistant. Like, just, what? Like, he... no. And just like, but I got reintroduced by you and your brothers. And I was like, oh. Not only is he extremely talented, which I've learned just by playing music over the years. Two, I didn't understand the humor at the time. Going back and looking at it, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's he is trying to be the ultimate badass metal guy. Yeah. Like, I just, just thought he was just like, well, hey, this guy has a gigantic ego when I was, like, younger. <laughs> but then he just, oh, he's, okay. And then you just see how he even thinks about music in general, and then you're like, okay. Yep, but you're crazy. Yeah, and back then he was just trying to freak people out and just be like well, the ugliest dude he could. <laughs> you know, well, and it works. All those faces. Because I was just like, what? Like, what's the appeal? Now, now he's all. <laughs> I just didn't understand it. Now he's all cleaned up and looks all nice, but still just shreds and is just cranking out music, man. And it's all got every album he does. You can tell it's Devin. You can hear yeah. him, like let alone his voice, just how he writes, but. It's all still so, he keeps making it new and so cool. So someday, yeah. I don't know if it'll be, if it'll finally be the new, the split off show from the Jacob Wayne show that my music show or what, but someday we'll do mm-hmm. a Devin deep dive. I have his biography and I need to just read it through, mark pertinent pages. We can kind of hit every album. It'll probably be like a five or six episode <laughs> like series, but yeah, we'll yeah. do a Devin deep dive at some point. I'm excited for that show, man. Um, 
basically I'm just I'm gonna be the layman with more of my general pop culture understanding of music and I mean how much schooling did you go to for music? Oh not I mean not it was just a... your own personal discoveries. <laughs> I mean I've been taking lessons and you know, I've always been in music all through like public school, which I'm not saying that counts for too much, but just saying and then it counts. Though. I got my guitar degree, which is a four year degree, but I took like six. <laughs> Which yeah, man, did give but... me more time in classrooms. I, I was in ensembles every semester of that, so I did get an extra two years of playing and that kind of stuff. So. But but let me prop you up here. You did that in school, in high school. You did it in college. You have played in countless bands. I always forget one here and there and there's always new ones yep you've played for musicals and like in with an orchestra i imagine you've done that yeah performed with um, the american I mean, festival course you you understand music you come at it from a different perspective than i do like and you've also played with jacob wayne which is a thing but yeah. that was always at the top of my cv sure sure but that being said you, you've done a lot that you have an inherent knowledge of music history, theory, all this stuff that I just don't. So what's going to be exciting about this show, I think, is we're going to be able to deep dive into musicians and theories and concepts. And I'll be your conduit. Like, you can be like, I don't know anything about, uh, you know, blood harmony, or I don't know anything about the, the weird Satan note. Or whatever it is. <laughs> and you just get to educate us. So whenever we get around to that, I'm really excited. And yeah, yeah Devin Townsend, great. part one through whatever. Sounds like a great series. So um, that will be... Uh, we might as well talk about it now. I have one more music release, but while we're on the subject. Um, I did adjust our YouTube channel to just the Jacob Wayne show. Um, yep. The reason why is that that is the thing that's releasing things consistently. So if you search the Jacob Wayne show, oh, hey, there's going to be a new video every week. And same thing with our Facebook page. But if you love Fakoshka, we still got our Instagram account. All those videos are still under that channel. It's just the Jacob Wayne show channel now. And we'll yep. throw up this next podcast on there. And obviously, if that thing takes off beyond this one, we'll have to make a new page for that. And once we get some more Fakoshka stuff recorded and reintroduce ourselves, then maybe it picks up to a point where we have to make a new page there. But, you know, it is what it is. So far, everything is coagulated in one place. So yep. search The Jacob Wayne Show. You'll find our page or our YouTube or our podcast on all the streaming services. And if you just want the Fakoshka tunes, search Fakoshka. You'll find that too. Bam. But one last little release. Uh, little Big released a covers album just called Covers. Do you remember who Little Big is? Uh, No. That, that skibbity wap pa pa. Oh, that's Skibbity wap pa 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 pa. Yeah. 
So they really, and I love them. So I just figured I'd explain what they are and why you should care and go look up their music videos. Um, Little Big is a Russian rave band founded in 2013 in St. Petersburg. The band consists of Ayla Ilich Pruzikin, Pruzikin, Sergei Gok Makarov, Sonia Taru Tayurskaya, and Anton Bubisov. Their first full-length album, With Russia From Love, was released on 17th March 2014. The group has released three albums and nine singles. The team itself is a satirical art collaboration which relies on the music, visuals, and the show. Little Big mocks various national stereotypes about Russia. All the videos are filmed by co-founder Alina Pasok. The band shoots and produces all of their music videos. So, and, yeah, if you haven't seen Skibbity, you gotta go see Skibbity. That's yes. that's an awesome music video. Skibbity's amazing. On this cover album, they do Barbie Girl, Everybody by the Backstreet Boys with some Ooh. goat noises, nice. Blitzkrieg Bop, Koldunya, and Mama Maria. Jesus, so, that's quite check the those list. Out. Yeah. With that, are we ready to get into some movie news or movie talk? Yeah, let's do it. All right, before we get started, we have a whole new drop for this. Oh, yeah. Let's... I worked on it very hard today. Well, let's Very drop it. hard. I think we will so call hard. this segment Chatting Movies. stinger yeah it was very thought out it sounds like it yeah you know all the musical tones and emotions going into it you know it's just like the movies we watch and love you know indeed condensed to to 40 seconds all right now i've felt this way it's not that i've had any feedback about this or anything but i thought the movie segment is kind of stretched a little too long so i'm gonna kind of try to streamline it a little bit so what i'm gonna do is just right up front ask you if you've seen the film whether you have or you haven't give me your thoughts on it and then i'll just go over the info and what my thinks are and we'll move on quickly to the next one sounds good so the first movie this last week i watched was scream have you seen that movie? Man, uh, that one, I'm pretty sure I did watch, but like when it came out so long ago, like I have zero recollection except for the mask. Yeah, 1996. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's like around then is when I watched it, probably like a couple of years after it came out. So I do not recall much, but yeah, I did watch it. Anything percolating to your mind about it? 
for some reason uh eastbound and down <laughs> hmm. can i can i do you behind can i do you from behind while i wear the mask from scream <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that quote pops into my head so thank you Danny i don't McBride. even remember that line <laughs> I know, but that's, yeah that's awesome so there you go <laughs> all right so I'll just jump in real quick. Scream is a 1996 American meta slasher film directed by Wes Craven and written by Kevin Williamson. The film stars David Arquette, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, Matthew Lillard, Rose McGowan, Skeet Ulrich, and Drew Barrymore. They're leaving out one of my favorite, probably my favorite character in the movie. But for the life of me, I can't remember his name. He's a comedian, and he was in The Mask too. Oh. It'll come to me, but he's the guy that's the horror movie expert. Nice. And he just, like, breaks down all the rules. Like, you, you can't be... You have to be a virgin. If you're not a virgin, you're going to die. And, oh, man, I wish I could remember <laughs> his name. Maybe I'll think of it. But this movie was released on December 20th. It follows the character of Sidney Prescott, which is Nev Campbell, (laughs) a high school student in the fictional town of Woodsboro, California, who becomes the target of a mysterious killer in a Halloween costume known as Ghostface. The film combines black comedy and whodunit mystery with the violence of the slasher genre to satirize the cliches of the horror movie genre popularized in films such as Halloween, Friday the 13th, and Craven's Own, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Scream was considered unique at the time of its release for featuring characters who were aware of real-world horror films and openly discussed the cliches that the film attempted to subvert. Um, It was apparently inspired by the real-life case of the Gainesville Ripper, which I've never heard about. Oh, actually, I have a little bit. All right, go ahead. Well, I'm kind of taking a look at the rest of this. I I, I just heard that, like, I've heard it mentioned on, uh, like, the podcasts I listen to. They have mm-hmm. made reference to that particular story. Was that in California as well, or where's where's Gainesville at? I think it's in Florida. Yep. Okay, Florida. We'll have to come back to that one. That might be a good subject. So we'll write down Gainesville. Ripper. It will become a true crime podcast along with everything else we cover. There you go, just get the eggs in all the baskets. Dude, we're going to just do everything. This movie earned $173 million worldwide, becoming the highest grossing slasher film until the release of Halloween in 2018. It still remains the highest grossing slasher film in adjusted dollars, though, which so means it is the highest grossing. It received yeah. several awards and award nominations. Uh, the soundtrack by Marco Beltrami was also acclaimed and was cited as one of the most intriguing horror scores composed in years. I'd agree with that. The music for it was awesome. Um, They had, like, Red Right Hand by uh, Nick Nick Cave. Oh, yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good song. Nice. I like it has a little uh organ run and like kong kang kong kang and it kind of ding bing bing kong kang 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 bing 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 it's a good part nice 
Sounds yeah. like a fun tune. Hell yeah. Especially sung by me, I know. Oh, I um, thought you were playing it. <laughs> shit, well, you know. Um, it, it was credited for revitalizing the horror genre in the 1990s, which was considered to be almost dead following the influx of direct-to-video titles and numerous sequels to establish horror, horror franchises of the 1970s and 1980s. And they continued to make a bunch more, and I watched them because of how much I love this one. But my, it's just, it has so many amazing actors in it that just like they weren't even as big as they are now, like Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, Matthew Lillard. Um, yeah. Yeah, spoilers Matthew Lillard and Skeet Ulrich as the killers, like just as these movie obsessed, like whiny high school kids, was like awesome. And a good subversion, like wasn't some great dark evil. It was just these like is fun. <laughs> That's what it says. <laughs> uh, yes. Drew Barrymore apparently got offered the role of uh, the main character, which I'm already fucking forgetting because I'm getting old. Sydney Prescott, but she's like, no, I'd rather do something more unexpected. So she becomes the woman who's killed at the beginning of the movie. Which was oh. really jarring. You're like, oh, holy shit, they just killed Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Like, at the time, that was, like, really unexpected and crazy to do. Nice. But uh, Nev Campbell, I'll always be in love with her. Um, I Before I even knew what sexual feelings were, Nev Campbell in this movie, I was just like, oh, my Lord. What's happening? <laughs> Why do I feel funny? Like when we climbed the rope in gym class. When we used to climb the rope in gym class. <laughs> yeah. If you can name that movie, we might send you a free mug. Oh, Write nice. us at fakushka at gmail.com. Nice. This is an easy one, I think. Should be. But no more. No more. That's all they get. Had to have been listening. The next movie, From Dusk Till Dawn. Have you seen that one? Um, don't think so. Nope, not ringing a bell. Alright. From Dust Till Dawn is a, also 1996, American action horror film directed by Robert Rodriguez and written by Quentin Tarantino. That's why I, always... I have heard of it. I still haven't seen it, but I have, I was like, I know I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it, and that's why I've heard of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was always under the impression that they split directorial duties on this film. But after doing some research, I guess Robert Rodriguez directed the whole thing. And Quentin Tarantino just wrote it. So that's kind of surprising because it does take a jarring switch like halfway through the film. And that's all I'll say because it is a really great surprise if you don't know what it is. Um, It stars Harvey Keitel, George Clooney, Tarantino himself and Juliette Lewis. Plot follows a pair of American criminal brothers, Clooney and Tarantino, who take a family as hostages in order to cross into Mexico, but ultimately find themselves trapped in a saloon. And there was more info there, but I'm just going to cut it off right there. You should watch the movie. It was released January 17th, 1996. Um... And received mixed reviews from critics who described the film as well-made, if overly violent, 
after enjoying financial success at the box office from Dust Till Dawn, has since become a cult film and spawned a media franchise of sequel films, a video game, and other media adaptations. So, I don't want to give anything away. Go watch this movie if you haven't seen it. First time I saw it, I was hanging out with my buddies after we got home from high school one day. And we were just getting yeah. some snacks and sitting on the couch. And we just threw on the TV back when it was just like TBS or whatever. And they just had a movie on. And we're like, what is this? And we're like, George Clooney and like Tarantino. Like, what? Huh. We didn't even fully comprehend who Tarantino was at the point. We just knew that he was obnoxious as fuck in this movie. <laughs> And we were kind of like shocked into continuing to watch more and more of it because we're like, oh my God, what a despicable character. And then when that switch happens in the film, you're like, oh my God, this is might be one of the most awesomely cheeseball things I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Nice. So, and then that's Robert Rodriguez, if you know Robert Rodriguez, so... If you like Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino, watch the fucking movie. That's there all I gotta go. say. Well, so now you said that you thought they split it, and they did do another movie where they each did split it with yeah. two other directors, right? Have you seen that one? Well, there's two versions of this. There's four rooms where it's a That's bellhop a that goes from room to room, and each room is directed by a different director. And that is for sure. Nice. One of the rooms is Robert Rodriguez. Another room is Quentin Tarantino. If you want to look that up real quick, I do forget the name of the other two directors, but that's that's an amazing film that we saw in the exact same context. We came home from high school one day and just sat down, had some snacks, and then we're like, what the fuck is this bellhop doing? And before you know it, we watched the whole fucking movie. And we're like, nice. that might be one of the most awesome things I've ever seen. Well, I need so, to watch it. Allison Anders and Alexander Rockwell. Who are, are two the directors other two. I need to learn more about because I don't know what yeah, they've done. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I've never heard of either of them. <laughs> so from Dust Till Dawn and uh, Four Rooms, that's a good double feature. Another good double do feature is um, Grindhouse. Which I was like the, that one. Yeah, that's where it's two separate movies entirely. One is uh, Death Proof by Tarantino. And then there's a bunch of trailers in between. One of them I remember is Wolf Women of the SS by Rob Zombie and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. And uh, Eli Roth, the guy who did um, Hostel, and he was the Bear Jew. And oh yeah, Inglorious Bastards. He did one, and that was like Space Nazis or something like that. But uh, so yeah, Tarantino did Death Proof, and then Rodriguez did Planet Terror. Both of them are awesome. I've seen Death Proof recently. I need to rewatch Planet Terror. It's been a long time. See, I don't think I've watched the Planet Terror, but I just love Death Proof, really? so I do need to do that. You gotta put it on the list. Yeah, (laughs) the whole thing. You'll be here. Maybe we'll have time for a movie. Oh, we will. We will. It's just you know, it's it's all during the day stuff, as you know. Yep. And one last movie on this list: Uh, Reflections in a Golden Eye. 
Never heard Ooh. of it? No, never even heard of that one. Neither had I. I've recently only watched stuff on HBO Max. Yeah. And just because it really is like, that's my speed. That's the kind of shit I like. It's Amy Sedaris, anime, Adult Swim, DC Comics, well, old ass movies, Sopranos. Like, I'm only propping them up because I want them to keep surviving as a streaming service. Yeah. Because apparently they're not that popular, but I'm like, this is all my favorite shit. So just, yeah, I haven't looked at Netflix and Amazon in months. So whatever that's worth. But Mm -hmm. we have a mutual friend who is really into old movies, right? Yeah. And... Sometimes he's just like, you haven't seen from 1938? And I'm just like, no, of course I fucking haven't. Like, why have I seen that? But he does raise a good point. I, If I'm going to be all about movies and stuff, I need to research more about, you know, where movies come from and things that are remade even by the, the 80s and things of that nature. So... Mm-hmm. I've committed to watching some older movies, anything before 1970, which I love the 70s and 80s, but something about right before then, I just have a hard time. Yeah. But uh, this one is from 1967. It's an American drama film directed by John Huston. He did... Oh, might have to look that up. I want to say the Scarlet Pimpernel, but maybe I'm fucking that up. But he's also the father of Angelica Houston. Do you remember who she is? That does sound familiar, but it's not enough to place it. She's the mother in Adam's family. She's also oh. the main, the Grand High Witch in The Witches. Is that really sexy black hair just owns her space woman nice <laughs> yeah she's she's just incredible and i'm like oh holy shit that's her dad huh i learned that yesterday when i watched this interesting it's not the scarlet pimpernel my bad it's the maltese falcon for some reason it's the same kind of <laughs> title to me i mean pimpernel sounds like a bird i don't know what else it is yeah Pimper, yeah, the Maltese Falcon, the Pimpernel, <laughs> whatever, whatever it is. Um, but let's get back on track here. Um, it's based on a 1941 novel of the same name by Carson McCullers. It deals with elements of repressed sexuality, both homosexual and heterosexual, as well as voyeurism and murder. The film stars Marlon Brando and Elizabeth Taylor. The film was unsuccessful at the box office. And all I will say is, man, I wish I would have written this written this down. Um, it has so many weird elements in it. Like, there's one lady who's cut off her nipples with gardening shears because she lost a baby. I and, see, that uh, sounds familiar. Oh, really? <laughs> I feel like I've heard that, not seen it, but I've heard that about that. The concept. Yeah, um, that's one way to handle it. And yeah, it takes place on like a southern army base or something of that nature. 
and I'm going to totally paraphrase this because I just watched it last night, but uh, Elizabeth Taylor, she's the wife of Marlon Brando's Major Weldon. And Marlon Brando's character is just absolutely a repressed homosexual. This is in 1967, so they're not going to really talk about it or even hint at it that hard, but that being said, they hinted at it really hard for 1967. Yeah. And he's like Elizabeth Taylor's getting all drunk and she's like putting some firewood in the fireplace. It's all bent over, ass up, like just basically the signal to any man is just like, just like immediately grunt and zone in. And he's just like, you're a slut. I don't like you. And she stands up and just starts stripping naked and throws a bra at him and then just walks by him naked up the stairs He's like, I hate you. I hate you. He's like chasing her, like holding the railing of the stairs. And she turns around. She's like, would you like to be put in a dog collar and brought out into the yard and beaten by a naked woman? <laughs> and he just stares at it. Like, oh, my God. Like, I was like, holy shit. 1967, huh? Goddamn. And there's a awesome character, Anacleto played by Zorro David, who's like this effeminate Filipino man who's the, like, wet nurse assistant to uh, Julie Harris, Allison. She's the mom who cut off her nipples. Ah. And he's he's just doing little improv ballets for her and painting peacocks and like, look at the golden eye. (laughs) And it's just like, the whole movie is unsettling as fuck. Wow. But all I will say is that it's also extremely boring because it's purely an examination of these weird fucking characters just in their day-to-day lives. Like, not much else happens. And so, spoiler alert, 1967, right at the end, all the repressed sexuality from Marlon Brando's character builds up Because there's this one colonel who just keeps sneaking into his house to smell Elizabeth Taylor's, like, undergarments. Huh. He's he's clearly heterosexual, but he's, like, a sexual deviant. And Marlon Brando, it's implied that he's attracted to him, but, you know, doesn't know how to deal with that. So he finds him in the room where he snuck in, and he shoots him with a gun. And it had to have been one of the biggest laughs I've had from a movie in a long time. Because as soon as he shoots him, the camera starts doing, like, the handheld, like, shifting from three characters. So it's like, Elizabeth Taylor, dead guy, Elizabeth Taylor, Brando, (laughs) Elizabeth Taylor screaming, dead guy, Elizabeth Taylor screaming, Brando. And it's just, like, switching between the two, and then each time it gets on Taylor, her head's in a different position screaming. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then it cuts to Brando and then the other character Robert Forrester shows up like huh? and it's just like that was your dramatic ending yeah you just like you just do this wonky camera move and just like ah oh, there was a murder on the base they just puts a quote up <laughs> on the screen and they should remake this movie because oh, it yeah. has a lot of good shit and so to wrap up movie talk All I will say is that they need to start remaking movies that kind of sucked. 
but they had good yeah. ideas or good premises. Like, quit remaking the ones that are awesome. I know you want to make your money, but I think Hollywood doesn't understand how many of these films are like, that was almost really good. And if you remade it, we'd all go back, hoping that they fixed it. But if you remake yeah. fucking The Goonies, everybody's going to be like, fuck you. Yeah. Even if you did a good job, it's going to be really hard to win people over. If you remake Lost in Space, which was like a really weird, shitty 90s movie, and which was based on the old TV show. Mm-hmm. Like you could still do a really cool Lost in Space. I think they even did like a series on Netflix, but I haven't heard anything about it. So yeah, that's why I'm excited for the new Dune. I love Dune yeah. the book. The movie they made in the '80s was okay. It's David Lynch weird shit. So I'm totally ready for a remake. There you go. Yeah. Anyway. That is enough for chatting movies. So where are we sitting at? Okay. We're not doing too shabby. Not at all. Let's uh, get into philosopher. What? Preposterous. Yes. I dare say. Don't help. Yes. Quite. Think <laughs> <laughs> deeps. All right, short and sweet today, but this Alrighty. could be fun. And I don't know why this is a philosophy question, in all honesty. Hmm. Why do we dream? Wow. I really, I, I guess Go I ahead. have no idea. I mean, <laughs> that's like my main thing. I don't know. I, th- I feel like I have heard theories about this that like, it's just like your brain uses the time to process things and that you get a glimpse into it sometimes and some people can get into more of the lucid dreaming and can actually take part in it and some people just see a weird movie of a bunch of little bits from their life every night Hmm. well I guess what? who is a person that studies dreams I'm sure there's several different dreamologist, uh, yeah, or whatever. Know. So I, whatever that is, I am not that. So oneirology, oneirology. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm not that. But from what I understand and what I've read, it's your brain's basically a computer. It needs to shut down before it overheats. It has to go into sleep mode in order to like go into all the repair functions and all that sort of things that -hmm. happens when you sleep. Basically, yeah, repair muscle, rest, do all this stuff. And so I do feel like it is a little bit of like, it's almost like the screensaver for your brain. It's just like processing old info and helping you kind of processing feelings and emotions and memories while at the same time, it's just a tiny little show for you while your body like focuses on repairs. Yeah, here's a good little description. During REM sure. sleep, researchers theorize that the brain goes through a process known as synaptic efficacy refreshment. This is observed as brainwave cell firing during sleep in slow cycles at a rate about of 14 hertz 
It is believed to serve the purpose of consolidating recent memories and reinforcing old memories. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. What you said. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, like, it's kind of cool reinforcing old memories. That's, that is interesting. Like, that makes sense. It's, well, because they are of value. They, they teach you how to, what to do, what not to do, what was effective, what was not effective for your survival. So, that would make sense. I kind of wonder. And also, you know, when you're tired and you're yawning and you're just trying to get oxygen to your brain, it's like sleep. You're just, yeah, your body needs to, like, not be doing so much frontal lobe shit or whatever it is mm-hmm. and just kind of go down to basic sleep mode or low power mode. And just like, we got, okay, we got to arrange this, we got to do this rest this get some more oxygen here here and here and you know that could explain a lot why when you wake up you're like thirsty as fuck because it's like been distributing everything overnight yeah and you're just like okay need more water to help the delivery of oxygen to blood cells and so on and so forth but yeah let's quickly look at it through the lens of what this list was maybe trying to get at. Why do we dream? Why? <laughs> to have hope for the future. Yeah? That's my answer on the... The, like, oh, that kind on of... The, on the yeah. woo-woo level. Yeah. I guess so. I mean... That is... That is what it's for. <laughs> Or to, like, scare the shit out of you and ruin your day. Because it just had you interact with somebody you didn't like from 15 years ago, and they, like, took all your money. Yeah. I have some really weird uh, recurring dreams, too, that are always kind of like, why is that one back? What the... (laughs) I kind of wonder if mm -hmm. your brain, like, is like a computer going through, kind of going through the data, like with the old dreams like old memories and stuff you know reinforcing whatever if it's like Mm. okay we got a lot of new memories this week time to drop off some old stuff all right fifth grade this day we're gone (laughs) (laughs) if that's if that happens at the same time maybe it's it's like a training mode like the matrix where it is throwing weird crazy horseshit at you to like train you up for regular life like yeah. when you when you wake up, you're like, yeah, there isn't gonna be a demon bunny coming at you, but just be ready, you know. Could be like a crazy homeless dude chasing you. You gotta yeah. kind of have the same. But he skills. has bunny ears. <laughs> like, oh my god! Hop, I knew it. Hop. I foresaw it. <laughs> there was less crack in my dreams. Indeed. Well, let's uh, let's move on from that then. All right. Let's go on to uh, Dear Jacob Wayne. You got one of those? I do. Okay. Oh, we haven't heard that sweet jingle in a while. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Dear Jacob Wayne. All right. Um, so this is a this is an interesting one. 
I feel like there's... Again, these always have problems, like, within the problems, so it's fun. So, last night, my husband of four years said he wanted to get out and go get a drink with his friends. He goes to the same two bars whenever he goes out, never stays out late, usually home by 11. We've gone to the strip club together before, but we agreed going separately is a firm boundary for me. Last night, it was getting later and later, so I checked his location and boom, at the strip club. Called him several times immediately to get in his ass. Mm. That's that's what it says. Mm. I don't know why. No yeah. answer. Well, yeah, I've heard the term. <laughs> Finally, when he answered, he said he left his phone in the car. He never leaves in his, his phone in the car. WTF. Then he lied. Yell all caps. And said he was at another bar close to the strip club. Finally, he admitted where he was, apologized and all, but stayed for like another 30 minutes. At first, I thought he was with his friends, but turns out nobody wanted to go, so he went by himself. When he came home, he was all apologetic, said he thought he could sneak over there and I wouldn't find out. Said he stayed the extra 30 minutes to finish his drink. I'm pissed and hurt and most of all confused. We were getting along, being intimate and all, yet he wanted to go so bad he went alone. Like, what was he looking for? It's not like him to be sneaky like this at all, Jacob Wayne. Well, all right. What was her name? Didn't say. Anonymous. Icing look, three. Icing three. Look, there are people that are polyamorous. There are swingers. There are just open relationships, all that stuff. And I guarantee you there are people that can handle it and do it regularly, and it's just fine. Mm -hmm. She sounds like... Because I already forgot her name. She sounds like she's trying to be down with this lifestyle because it's cool. Like, you're being the cool girl. And clearly that doesn't work for you because she's all fucking freaking out about this guy living that kind of lifestyle. And if you were, I don't know if I, if they mentioned it, maybe I missed it, but if they are like trying to do the monogamous thing, then you're an idiot and you're dating a guy who clearly isn't into that. Yeah. So it's your fault. It is your fault for staying with him. Yeah. That's what I would say. I'd say just get on out of there. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what, but if you're coming at it from like, we tried the polyamory, the uh, open relationship thing, and this is not for me, then have the sit down with the boyfriends and see if he's cool with narrowing it down to monogamy, but don't play each other. Like if you have to like try to convince him to try it out, he doesn't want to quit trying to make it happen. Like just accept the truth. Take the L. So in that context, you can put it out to him like, hey, uh, it seems like you're wanting to still be out there kind of mingling and flirting and hooking up. I'm not cool with it. Let's go monogamous. If he's just like, "Eh." like, even if he's thinking about it, just end it. And Yeah. yeah, if you were hoping for something monogamous and he acts like this, you're an idiot. Yeah, I mean... It sounds like they go to it like they said they they go together 
but they said don't go separately, which I don't know, man. Strip I've, clubs I've are had, just weird anyways. I've had <laughs> women in my life that are more open relationship, polyamorous, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they just weren't that committed to me. Like they're like, oh, that'll be a fling with this artist guy. And but then I'll go over here and do this. And that's on me for letting that get to me as bad as it did. Because, you know, I'm a young in co- in college, mid twenties. I'm like, hey, oh my god, I thought I loved you. But I it's it's that old rattlesnake thing. You knew what I was when you picked me up. So if I bite you, like why are you surprised? Yep. Exactly. And it's just like, yeah, all right. A tattoo across your breast probably is a warning sign. Maybe. Could be. Not always, of yeah. course. But it's just like, all right. When you hear railing another dude a day after she hooks up with you, don't cry into your geology textbook. Take the <laughs> L and move on. Yeah. We just gotta just gotta keep moving. Indeed. Like uh something like the rain, like a kidney stone. It's just a broken heart, son. This this too shall pass away. Oh. Tupac? That's uh well, that's made of James Keenan from Pussifer. Oh nice. Great. It's a great song. Yeah. I like how he equates a kidney stone with a broken heart. And you just have to pass it through. (laughs) You're just like, ah! It sucks for a while. (laughs) Yep, but you'll get rid of it. Yeah. So anyways, with that, let's move into weird news. Weird news. All right, your turn. All righty, so came across this today thanks to our boy Shocky. Yeah. Apparently, Anonymous, the hacktivist group, fires a warning shot at Elon Musk over his crypto tweets. Who? Yeah. So, Anonymous apparently has a warning for SpaceX and Tesla boss Elon Musk after his Wild West tweets. Uh, Wild West tweets. Just his tweets. Shut up. <laughs> about cryptocurrency and especially Bitcoin and Dogecoin. So, Anonymous isn't happy with the amount of power Musk has amassed over the years, especially with the silver spoon out of his mouth. He has the power to swing cryptocurrency markets by hundreds of billions of dollars at a time, and so it seems from the outside, in the video, Anonymous takes... Oh, I'm this terrible writer. Sounds but, like This is a quote from Anonymous. I'm going to attempt to put on the voice. You ready? Yeah. What do they sound like? People are beginning to see you as nothing more than another narcissistic rich dude who is desperate for attention. 
It appears that your quest to save the world is more rooted in a superiority and savior complex than it is in actual concern for humanity. Damn. Eh? Yeah, well, very anonymous. <laughs> yeah. Bravo. Yeah. <laughs> um, this has been obvious to your employees for a long time. You have faced intolerable conditions under your command for years. It is also obvious to the young children working in your overseas lithium mines, which are destroying the local environment as well. You have been open about your willingness to stage coups in order to install dictators in place where your toxic products are being mined. You have been prematurely crowned Emperor of Mars, a place where you will be sending people to die. It goes on, but... <laughs> I'll uh, spare you from the rest. Just go watch the video. But, uh... Oh, boy. He's calling it... They really go hard on Elon Musk. They uh, point out that he wasn't the founder of PayPal. Wasn't the founder of Tesla, even. He basically bought the companies or the pro or the name or whatever. You know, we can get into the details later. And yeah. You know, write us at fakoshka at gmail.com if you got something to say or disagree with. But essentially, he is just kind of this propped up media genius. He's not full on. It basically, as I was discussing earlier today with Shaki, kind of like setting him up as the next Thomas Edison that basically takes advantage of the Teslas of the world. Yeah. And so it is kind of ironic that his company's called Tesla. For real. And he's acting like an Edison. Like a fucking big fat Edison. Yeah. Lame. So, yeah, he's been manipulating the markets and just like playing the weird game and doing all this showy stuff out in public. And another thing I've said before is that he's, to me, he's not this evil super genius he's more like hugh hefner like a like tech ceo hugh hefner he's just somewhat intriguing and likable in a media in media regards yeah but he's just basically playing the markets and playing the media and pushing through his things and one thing anonymous did point out um I can't find the exact quote, so no voice this time, but that there are plenty of other companies and people that give a shit about sustainable energy, electric vehicles, and climate change. And part of the reason he has such a kind of blind following amongst more progressive people is that, well, this is the one guy doing something about our future in terms of cleaner transportation, cleaner energy, investing in science, so on and so forth. But yeah, that's kind of the game he's playing, is he's taking the mantle of that and saying, you can't get this anywhere else. It's all under me. Yeah. While he smokes a joint on Joe Rogan. So, Indeed. That being said, to wrap up the, the episode... One thought I did have when I saw this anonymous video, though, was what has anonymous actually accomplished? Because I always see the videos where they like call somebody out, 
Yeah. But I like don't actually know what they do. They've written some good songs. You know, you come across <laughs> yeah. them in the hymn book written by Anonymous. So. And some letters <laughs> to the editor occasionally. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. Like, yeah. Affecting real change in society. Yeah. But I figured we could quickly go over this business insider article called The Good Good Hacks by Anonymous. And this was written as far back as 2013, so they've probably done stuff since then. Yeah. But uh, we're just going to read them off, and if there's anything to share that you know about, cool. If not, we'll just read these. So now you know that Anonymous has done stuff. And pretty cool we can stuff. just wrap up the episode that way. So Sounds at number good. eight... December 2006, Anonymous took down the website of white supremacist radio show host Hal Turner. The attack ended up with Turner paying some very expensive bandwidth bills and dropping a lawsuit a lawsuit a year le later. Suite? A lawsuit. Yeah. Well, so I'm I hadn't for... heard of that. But yeah, fucking up some piece of shit's website might not seem like much to some, but when you consider the traffic for some of these guys... Yeah. That's quite an accomplishment. Anything to take money from white supremacists, I'm in. Indeed. All right. Beginning in January 2008, Anonymous kicked off Project Chanology, its attack on the Church of Scientology, a cult-like religion which allegedly imprisons its dissident members. They launched denial of service attacks against the organization's websites, gamed the link-sharing site Dig to more prominently display anti-Scientology pages, and even physically protested, showing up in person to many church events. Crazy. That's not anonymous mm. at all. Maybe they were mm. wearing the, the face of the mask. That seems to be one of their main focus focuses. And uh, I'm always down with... Well, I don't want to get off on a tangent with this. This could be for another episode. But I'm always down with attacking the business-minded element of religion. Yeah. And bringing that down because I don't I don't inherently have an issue with religious belief or spirituality. It's these man-created institutions that take money from poor desperate people. Uh-huh. And maybe Mormons. they take it from rich desperate people. Well, that, that's as well, Scientology. But... Scientology is for rich people, Mormonism is for poor people. Well, and rich people. Yeah, Mormonism has those two sections. They have the they have the VIP room and they got the poor general admission. Yeah. Yep. All right. Anyway, subject for another time. But yes, uh, Anonymous, good job. Number six, Anonymous released user information from a major hacking forum in February 2011 and security firm Mandiant was able to use this data to link the Chinese military to cyber attacks against the U.S. this year. Oh, wow. So, hey. That was nice. 2011, so Looking not this year. Ten years ago. Or, I guess, 2013, when this came out. Yeah. Well, but, uh, yeah, and once again, another... I wish it was obvious, but doesn't seem like it is. Um... And our movie's just not going to do well in China after I say this. So I, I hope you're prepared for that, Kellen. 
I didn't but know you were making I'm a movie. Not, I'm not that into the Chinese government right now. I well, love the damn. Chinese people. I love Chinese culture. I love Chinese history, the language, the food, all of it. But the current government, eh, not great. I'm not not really into it. Not great. Yeah, I wouldn't date it. Nope. I'd, I'd swipe left on Tinder. Like, ugh. Yeah. What the? You're taking those little face shots that are like way too close to the screen. I can't even see your body. You're catfishing <laughs> Chinese government. You're catfishing. Governmental catfishing is the worst kind. And Taiwan's a country. All right, so number five. (laughs) Yeah, this is my favorite one so far. The Westboro Baptist Church is notoriously hateful and intolerant. Anonymous successfully took down the Westboro Baptist Church website in February 2011 in protest. Like, I, man, yeah, anything for them. If any, look, yeah, I don't know. If anybody (laughs) wants to run over some protesters, like, okay, there's your fucking ones to, man. So they they get the gold medal for <laughs> runoverables. Yeah, but the Westboro Baptist Church, like every single yeah, they just fundamentally do not understand anything they're claiming to understand. That's something I think the Chinese government, Scientology, Mormons, and what was the first? <laughs> okay, the maybe not th- maybe not them. <laughs> ah. Maybe not Hal Turner, but. Scientology, the Chinese government, Mormons, I think we could all fist bump and we're going to run over the Westboro Baptist Church folk. Let's get them. Let's get them together in the same Tesla truck. Ooh, yeah. Do it clean. Mm-hmm. Except the lithium. I won't even hear it. But the window will break even though it's not supposed to. <laughs> we could just claim uh, we were watching Netflix on the screen because we hacked it. Are you done watching this window? It just shatters. (laughs) All right. Number four. Is that you or me? You. Okay. Operation Darknet was the group's campaign against child pornography in October 2011 because pornographers were incredibly effective at using technology to hide themselves. Anonymous used technology to put them out of business. Hey. Good job. Yeah that anything to stop that shit that's good hey do you do you want to hear my catholic church impression on that one oh boo <laughs> hey i don't like it at all i don't like it one bit shout out to jim norton <laughs> nice. all right number three on august 13th 2012 Tensions were rising in Uganda as the country's laws were increasingly intolerant on LGBTQ plus issues. It just says LGBT. This is old. Yeah, you gotta Anon- update it. <laughs> Anonymous defaced two Ugandan government sites in protest. Yeah, bring it on. I like it. But let's also add that we're in 2021, so it's racist to go against Uganda. Because of their anti-LGBT issues. Just so you know. It is? I, I don't know. Thought, I don't know. Anyway. You gone to tell me what to do? Ugh. All right, I'll leave. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> the Steubenville rape case in which images of the high school victim were disseminated in social media obviously got a lot of attention earlier this year 
Anonymous released incriminating video tweets and emails belonging to accused players on the school's football team. So I believe this was the Rolling Stone articles that uh, Shockey sent us. And I will pull that up real quick for any other tidbits while you read the next one. Ooh, number one. Just this month. So, in 2013. Anonymous Mm -hmm. began Operation Free Korea. It's the group's effort to get controversial leader Kim Jong-un to resign, install free democracy, abandon nuclear ambition, and grant uncensored internet access to its citizens. On April 3rd, Anonymous released all 15,000 usernames and passwords for the government's web services and threatened to wipe its data. I didn't hear about that. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I'm all for that too. Yeah, anything I just imagine Kim Jong-un getting all pissed off and it's like, yeah. He just swells up like Kirby and Smash. Like, he doesn't like hit a desk, he just like waves his fists around. Like he won't actually hit anything. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm done. <laughs> I don't want to go down that road too much. Uh, well, I couldn't find that article quickly enough, so... If I find more details than that, we'll bring it up next episode. So before we say goodbye, what would you call this episode? I got one, but how about how about you? No oh, man, I I need to start thinking about this earlier. I didn't even like start to contemplate. What do you got? Well, you you are supposed to come up with it during the episode, like if it just pops in your brain. Yeah, as it I, naturally flows, like but... cacao nibs, something. Something with cacao names, maybe? Well, while that would be lovely, we didn't spend a lot of time discussing cacao nibs. True, it should lure. It should lure more. I'm, we're going to go with Anonymous Musk. Ooh, the best kind of musk. <laughs> yeah. This is a great title. Who did that? What is that? <laughs> I want to know. I have Ashburgers and I have smoke jokes. <laughs> I can definitely smell the musk of the ass. Yes. Definitely ass notes in there. <laughs> Heavy notes of ass. Not much burger, but all right. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. So Anonymous Musk, episode number 35. Woo. We are right toe-in-toe, I noticed, with another podcast you should listen to because we're all a large podcast community. Yeah. Um, the Josh Potter show. He's an offshoot of the YMH shows, but he recently moved to his own channel. So I really like the guy. Josh Potter is a good comedian. And he's on, he was on episode 34 not too long ago. So he might be one ahead of us. So I'm not sure, but we're, we're, right, on him. we're right in it with him. So we started yeah, at the good. same time. Yeah, and uh, while we're shouting out other podcasts, just uh, the one I always listen to, this is telling our listeners, but also you, uh, one of the guys from it and another guy in their network started doing a Dune deep dive. So, last, last podcast on the left, Deep Dives Dune edition. So, it's supposed to be pretty good. I have not, re- you're supposed to like actually have no Dune, so I need to, I need to like read it and get a little studied up before I listen to it. I highly recommend getting it on audio, audiobook or audio fire, whatever you call it. Yeah. 
because when you read it, it's great, but there's so many like new unfamiliar words and terms mm-hmm. that you kind of waste a little brain energy just trying to decide how to pronounce that thing or whatever. When you get the audiobook, they have voice actors and all that stuff, so you just get a sense of, oh, that character's this. And the oh, way they nice. enunciate different terms or items that you're like, oh, the Kuzakarak. Yes, of course. I see. The Benicheserit witches and all that stuff. Well, that's good advice. Thank you. Yeah, so shout out to Audible. Feel free to fund our podcast. <laughs> that's yeah. That's, that one's free, motherfucker. There you go. You get one shout out, companies, and then it's time to pay up. Yeah, you hear me, Pass Blue Ribbon, Copper yeah. Kettle Brewing Company in Denver. Then what about that manscaping thing? That was that was episodes ago. Come on. Yeah, you hear me? Uh, uh, <laughs> I already forgot the name of it. Down low, daddy. You hear me, low daddy? Yeah, that big right. rapper needs to pay up. He's got all kinds of money. Dude, he's so hard to get a hold of because he's just so busy with the bitches. Yeah. That is that is time consuming, and it's once again twenty twenty one. Bitches is a universal term. Gender neutral. He's talking about his dogs, his ladies, his cousin, his his brother, his brother in law. I call the blades of grass I mow bitches. So it's just anything. Any, uh, man, everything. I was gonna come out, but I had to mow my bitches. I had to cut them bitches down. Yeah. Bitches, guys, y'all, folks. It's all universal. Yeah. Y'all folk bitches have a good week. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and you guys remember your spirit. Indeed. Hold tightly to the moon. To the moon! Doge. Bye-bye! Thank you for listening to The Jacob Wayne Show. If you would like to contact us, please write us at fakoshka at gmail.com. That is F-A-K-O-S-H-K-A at gmail.com. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube. Simply search The Jacob Wayne Show and it should pop right up. Make sure you like and subscribe and leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. Please write us. It helps add content to the show and makes the show even better for you, the listener. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, <laughs> oh,